campus right now. Um, the Darrow family was invited here today to get an update from the prosecutor's office about the future of the case, where it's going to go. Are they going to file charges? We know that the police department has concluded their investigation and has turned it over to the prosecutor's office for review of charges, so we could be hearing today whether or not that is going to move forward. The Darrow's did invite me to be part of this process um, and this meeting today. The prosecutor's office has declined that request, um, so I'm going to hang out here um, and hopefully talk to them before and after their meeting to figure out what's going on. From the Blade, this is Code 18 Unsolved with a Season 1 update. Where's the case now? Code 18 just references the radio code that we use when we describe a dead body. Over a year since the Blades started exploring the story of Alvin Edwin Darrow Jr., a 63-year-old man who went missing from Toledo on July 27, 2017, following a fight with his son Tim Darrow over a stolen motorcycle on their property. In the previous eight episodes of this podcast, we poured over records and re-interviewed witnesses to try to piece together the final moments of Alvin's life to understand what may have happened to him. Because remember, Alvin Darrow is presumed dead, but officially, he's still listed as missing. His body has never been found. So answers to questions about how he died and why are as elusive as his killer. It's been four years. In July, Alvin's family thought they may finally get some answers, and more importantly, closure in the case when the Toledo Police Department turned its investigation over to the Lucas County Prosecutor's Office for review and consideration of charges. At the time, Detective Bill Goodlett, the lead investigator, told the Blade that he'd exhausted every potential source of evidence and interviewed every witness he's aware of. He presented those findings in hopes that maybe it was enough. But enough for what? Police have never said which charges they were considering or against whom. They've never even named a suspect in the case. But as we discussed in the final episode, their investigation seemed to center on the last known person to see Alvin alive, his son, Tim Darrow. Now, if you haven't listened to our earlier episodes, I encourage you to stop here and go back and follow the investigation from the beginning you'll be able to hear directly from sources, including Tim, about what they remember from the day Alvin disappeared and what has happened since. But to recap, Alvin Darrow was in possession of a stolen $75,000 motorcycle that was being stored in Tim's garage, which technically Alvin owned. It's still not clear who brought the motorcycle there or why, but we do know that it caused a fight. In a 16-second video Tim recorded just before his father disappeared, he's seen taunting his father about having the stolen motorcycle. 
Alvin doesn't respond, but he paces in the background and gestures as if in frustration. And then, without a word, Alvin steps towards the bike and leans down, as if to grab the handlebars. And the video goes black. What happened after remains a matter of speculation. Tim has always said that they argued about the stolen bike being there, but in his interview with The Blade, he shared a new detail. That fight turned physical. You say that you fought with your dad over this bike. What does that mean? Well, I was pulling it out of the garage, pushing it out, and he tried to push me back into the garage with the bike. The bike fell over, and we started wrestling and arguing. So that's, uh, that's how it ended. Did either, like, did it get physical? Were you guys punching each other? Uh, yeah, I, I punched him, he punched the bike. Yeah, we kind of, yeah, we got into it. Alvin's blood was later found on the motorcycle. Not a gory amount, but some droplets. When I asked him about it, this is what he told me. So, you, when you guys were fighting, you said your dad punched the bike. Do you remember him bleeding at all? Yeah. He had, yeah, he got blood on the bike. Where was he bleeding from? I don't know. I was bleeding. He was, I think we were both bleeding. But you don't remember. Where were you bleeding from? My hand. Falling with the bike. And my leg. Mm-hmm. The bike fell on top of me. It was a huge, heavy bike. Tim had never mentioned this when talking to police in the days after his father's disappearance and they've never been able to formally interview him since. Police did talk to him this past summer, and he initially agreed to come into the station to give a statement, but he never showed up. So our interview is the only account he's ever given on the record. But none of it explains how or why Alvin disappeared. And Tim has given varying accounts of what happened after their fight. First, he told his brother Jeremy Darrow that Some men who were presumably trying to retrieve the stolen motorcycle chased his father away with guns. Then, he said he left the house immediately after punching his dad, at which point nothing was amiss. Later, he said he was pulling out of the driveway when he saw men pulling up with another stolen motorcycle for his dad, and he doesn't know what happened after that. None of those accounts have been corroborated, and police say they don't have any reason to believe someone was after Alvin. For five months, police hit dead end after dead end in the case. Then came a curious story from Michael Johnson, who was in jail at the time, about driving with Tim up into Michigan and dumping a barrel in a field on the same night Alvin disappeared. That account also has never been confirmed, and no such barrel has been found. Tim has denied that the trip ever occurred, but it remains suspicious. Michael has since stopped cooperating with law enforcement, but in his final interview with The Blade, he hinted that there may be more to his story than he previously shared. I ain't lied about nothing. I ain't told everything. I ain't obligated to until somebody can show me that I can trust them. So when they were called to the prosecutor's office on September 28th to discuss the future of the case, Alvin's older brother, Ron Darrow, and sister Cheryl Bonk were expecting that all of that background information was leading somewhere, leading to an arrest. A quick note here, you heard from Cheryl throughout the series, but 
This is the first time you'll be hearing from Ron. He wasn't available for the podcast, but we've stayed in constant contact throughout the investigation. And because of the pandemic, this was actually our first time meeting in person. He hugged me in greeting. How are you guys? It's good to see you again. I'm Caitlin. Nice to meet nice you. To meet you. Um, so I brought all my equipment today just in case we want to do an update episode. And I was hoping just to talk to you guys before and after a meeting since they won't let me inside with sure. you. Um, so what is your, just tell me like what you're expecting today. Well, I'm expecting to find out whether or not they have enough evidence to bond him over to the grand jury. Hopefully. Pursue charges against someone. Definitely, yeah. They've got enough evidence, I think, so we're just going to go with it. Do you have any sense of whether it's going to be good news today or whether... Well, I'm hoping for great news. That's why we're here. This is just a start. So, hopefully it'll work. The meeting didn't go as expected. Again, the prosecutor's office wouldn't let me sit in, even though the family had requested that I be there, so I waited for Ron and Cheryl just outside the office. They walked out about an hour later with Assistant Prosecutor Michael Bonner from the Cold Case Division. Oh, you're fine. Don't worry about it. Hey, guys. Hi, Caitlin. I'm Michael Bonner. Oh, nice to meet you. You as well. I asked him about the meeting. If we're on the record, then I would say that it's an ongoing investigation, and we're still following up and they're having nice meetings with some members of the family. And I wish you luck. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Okay. Well, that doesn't sound like the news you were hoping for. What was that? I said that doesn't sound like the news you were hoping for. Well, no, it doesn't. He asked us to wait. Wait a little longer for a little bit better. Better evidence? Ron goes on to explain why prosecutors said they would not be pursuing charges against the person he believes is responsible for his brother's disappearance. But we're editing that out because that person has not been named a suspect or charged. But Ron and Cheryl did say this. We'll wait to see if more information comes up within the next year. Maybe six months from now we'll have another meeting. Um, there is plenty of evidence, but Stiffy, you only get one good chance to prosecute. And um, if, if the body pops up or some better information gets out there, then there'll be a better chance of prosecuting. Are you happy with this decision? Well, we are because now we know we can wait a little bit longer for a little more information. And it's, it's not going to hurt to wait. We've waited four years. They're working on it all the time, so we just really you know, love the people that are there working on it. It's so hard, and we just feel that you know, they won't let anything be unturned. If something comes up, they will be out there investigating it, and you know, they've done such a great job already and have a lot of people coming forward, but you know, we just have to wait. There's, now, knowing that police have said from their side they've investigated it as far as they can go, did they give you any kind of indication of what they need to move forward beyond what they already have? Caitlin, they have more information 
right? Yes. That they really don't want to share with us right now. And we just hope that if they get a little bit more, we'll be getting a phone call. But they don't want to, they just don't, what they've got sounded pretty solid, but they don't want to let it out. You know, once it's out of the vault, everybody knows it. So we're going to wait. We're going to wait because they asked us to wait. Uh, we could go ahead with it, but it's not a guarantee. Detective Goodlett also was at that meeting, so I asked him to summarize where the case sits now. Here's what he told me. Well, at this point, the prosecutor's office has reviewed everything that we have um, and feel that it's the best interest of the case to continue to leave it open, continue to take uh, any new information that comes in, but we're hopeful that something else will come in to strengthen what we already have. So we're just going to keep the investigation open and, and be hopeful that someone will come forward with something. In the meantime, Alvin's siblings say they'll never give up on bringing his killer to justice. They've even offered a $5,000 reward for information about Alvin's disappearance or where his body may be. And they're prepared to keep pushing the case until they get some kind of resolution. They'll always be watching and waiting, Ron said. We don't have a body to prove anything. We don't really need a body to prove anything. We have plenty of overwhelming evidence and we will, we will stay on it. We're not gonna stop. We won't give up. We'll raise the reward if we have to. We'll hire a private detective if we have to. But we're not gonna give up. Thank you for listening to season one of Code 18 Unsolved. Alvin Darrow is missing. We'll continue to follow the case and we invite you to subscribe to get alerts anytime there's a new development. You can also find the episodes and additional case information, including photos and videos at toledoblade.com slash code 18. This remains an open investigation. If you have any information about this case or any other unsolved homicides, call Toledo Crime Stoppers at 419-255-1111. Help put this Code 18 to rest. And help spread the word by giving us a five-star review and recommending us to your friends. You can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Code 18 is reported and written by me, your host, Caitlin Durbin, for The Blade. Phil Kaplan is our producer with original art and theme music by Danielle Gamble. Additional original music provided by Joel Roberts. Hi everyone, this is Caitlin Durbin. I'm a Blade reporter and host of this podcast. If you're enjoying it, I invite you to subscribe to The Blade 
and support my colleagues in the reliable journalism that makes this work possible. The Blade has been reporting on Toledo's history since before the city itself was established. We are the newspaper of record. Go to ToledoBlade.com and click subscribe.